Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to tell the story about the Lake Michigan Doe. Welcome to the MI Honey Podcast. Thank you for listening as always. So, yeah, I mean, we are, it is just after Christmas now, and the season, we've got only really about a month, we've only got about a week left of the season uh, until deer season's over. You know, there are a few uh, areas that will still have a later season yet, Um, you know, at least here in Michigan, I'm sure, and outside the country, of course, there's still plenty of deer season left in certain areas as well. But for us here in Michigan, it's pretty much a wrap. Uh, you know, right now we do still have a late uh, firearm uh, analyst season. That's for public or that's for private land. And then, of course, we still got the last remaining bit of archery season as well. But overall, the season is is over for the vast majority of us. You know, I myself, you know, this year, you know, had found plenty of success harvesting lots of deer uh, between here in Michigan and my South Dakota trip. Now I didn't actually I didn't actually achieve uh, a couple of my goals that I had set for the season or for this year anyways. You know my main goal was to harvest a buck on public land with my bow. You know I've gotten some areas where I had some good bucks that I was trying to target. I just never was able to you know, put the pieces together and be, you know, in the location, the time that the deer were going through. There are plenty of times where I would, you know, be in the right area. I just was, you know, either at the stand a day late or I was there a day early. And then my camera, you know, would show me that, you know, I'd either miss them by a day or I beat them by a day. And then on the private piece, you know, ultimately the rut hunt didn't go as I planned. You know, ultimately, I did miss out on the opportunity of the of the mature buck that I was targeting. You know, ultimately, I planned to do an all-day sit. I I didn't end up sitting all day, and that's, of course, the time that I missed out the opportunity. The buck came through uh, past one of my stands at noon, and I was already, um, you know, back home dealing with some, some vehicle issues. And, you know, by the time I made it back out, the deer had already moved on. Um, or at least moved off the property, uh, so I missed my opportunity there. Well, ultimately, uh, during that rut hunt, of course, I missed a, you know, missed a buck with my bow. You know, ultimately the buck came in, and I wasn't able to properly range it, so I estimated what the range was. I estimated that the buck was at 35 yards, so I held my 30-yard pin high on him, and and ultimately he was right at 30, and I shot right over his back. Ultimately, I did end up uh, getting a buck during rifle season. Uh, wasn't really the buck that I had, you know, would have initially targeted, uh, but he was a good buck either way. So I was happy with that. And then, of course, I got my mule deer buck out in South Dakota. Again, not the caliber of buck that I initially planned on going after, but with uh, hard times and the lack of, you know, bucks in the hunting area that we were um, targeting. Uh, I ended up taking the best buck that I could. So, you know, once I got back from from my South Dakota trip, we did a few drives. The area that we typically do our annual drive at, you know, is either that the deer just have it, you know, too well figured out of avenues to uh, evade the, the people sitting and waiting for the deer. Or, you know, ultimately I think the area just gets to overpressure between other hunters and people just walk in. Uh, even when we were doing the drive, uh, one of our sitters actually was sitting there and coming up from behind him was a couple with their dog um, as they were walking. So the area gets a lot of human pressure. Jump into, you know, end of November, you know, muzzle season opened up. You know, my goal was to hopefully, uh, you know, harvest, you know, one of my target bucks, uh, deer muzzleloader as well. I really wanted to be able to do some tracking. So, you know, waiting on a good snow go out and cut a track and try to track down a buck that way you know ultimately we didn't really get the snow that i had hoped for but i wanted to go out anyways so i went back out um, to our main spot where we do our drive it's along the michigan lakeshore and ultimately went out there 
kind of do a twofold, do a kind of like a spot and stalk, uh, still hunting approach, cut a few tracks if I could because there was some old snow there, and then ultimately to scout it out a little bit better to try to f- try to figure out maybe a better approach for when we do our drive. So went out there, and unfortunately with the the way the snow is old snow that you know basically had you know fallen and then warmed up and thawed a little bit and then refroze again. It was extremely noisy snow. Uh, so, I, you know, trying to catch up with any deer uh, without them knowing that I was, you know, coming was very difficult. I ended up, uh, you know, basically the first, you know, main valley or draw that I was going to basically kind of look over or scout a little bit. You know, as I approached the ledge of that, of that bluff there, you know, I could hear deer movement uh, down in the valley bl- below me down in the cedars i couldn't see a deer moving but i could definitely hear him walking through <clears throat> ultimately tried looping around around that valley to try to uh, kind of cut him off or to you know change my direction of approach uh, to try to catch up with the deer ultimately I, that didn't happen they you know evaded me over the next valley as well you know making it to a big bowl where you know basically it's a uh, kind of a main area before the last push um, when we do our drive and made it up in there found a lot of good deer sign a ton of rubs uh, definitely a hub of activity as i continue to move forward in there found a few bedding areas you know basically this is up on the hills above uh, lake michigan and pretty much anywhere where there was significant cover so you had a lot of uh, mature hardwoods, deadfalls, anywhere where there was a big group of cedars. That seemed to be a congregation of deer sign and bedding, as well as any major benches. Um, so anywhere where it was open and a flat area for the deer to bed, it seemed like a lot of uh, the doves especially were bedding in these areas. So after that scouting trip, about eight and a half miles in for the day, you know, basically scouted all the way up onto the hills, all the way down to the flat areas in the open fields, and really got a good lay of the land. Ended up coming across, uh, like I said, lots of good bedding areas. A majority of them were doe bedding areas, but certainly is a good place to, uh, you know, find you're having that concentration of deer movement. Did end up finding an area where it was just one of those things where the terrain just worked just right for you, where there's a couple of hilltops, a saddle that ran through it, lot to that saddle, and just on the one far side of the field into the hardwoods, sure enough, there was a big old scrape there. Followed the tracks along, along following the terrain, and found a couple more scrapes as well as some major rubs. Basically, they got into a thick area where there's plenty of deadfalls. There's lots of uh, beech saplings that are growing up in there. It kind of looked like the trail kind of split off into two different directions. I followed the one off to the right, no more than another 50 yards up on a little tiny hilltop with a deadfall and and lots of thick uh, saplings around it. Sure enough, found what appeared to be a lone buck bed. It was a very large bed. There were some large droppings right, right in that same area. But unfortunately, due to the lack of snow and the significant cover in there, I don't know if I had bumped that buck out of his bed. I'm assuming he did because of how fresh the sign looked within that bed. Uh, it looked like there wasn't any type of additional snow or old snow that was in it. Ultimately, though, because of the cover and the lack of snow, I couldn't tell which direction that buck had gone or how you know how long ago he had taken off. But ultimately, learned a lot. Found a found another good area, basically walking along the field edges. Every little patch of woods found significant signs, so major rub lines, as well as probably one of the biggest scrapes I've ever found in my life. You know, this thing was probably a good five feet in diameter, and just in this little patch of timber, uh, surrounded by field. And then that was a wrap on the muzzleloader season. So ultimately, didn't didn't get the opportunity that I'd hoped for trying to track down a deer, um, but I did learn a ton of scouting. So fast forward a little bit. Couple days after muzzleloader season, I decided to go back into that same area with my bow. You know, ultimately, I haven't scouted and seen the sign that I did. I wanted to set up in that bowl that had all the major sign and rubs in it that I found. You know, basically the week before. So, packed up my bag, loaded up with a ghillie suit, basically plan on doing a ground ground sit 
and just kind of, you know, basically kind of sit in that bowl. Hopefully some deer would move through. And if not, I would basically do a still hunt, checking all those major spots, basically in those patches of cedar. So I found deer sign before and hope that I could catch up with one doing that. Going out there just before daybreak, take the main trail to get up in the hills. I walk along essentially the lakeshore on the, on the lakeshore side of the hill. So hopefully to be able to get in the spot and not, you know, announce my presence walking through the timber. And essentially I was on the west side, west side of, of the hill and we had a southeast wind for the day. So I thought with that, most of the prevailing winds were going to blow my scent out over off the hill over the lake. So as I make it through there, you know, in the dark, you know, walk along the, the lake shore, you know, I did have a pretty cool uh, sighting of one of the freighters going through. Uh, basically, you can see it all lit up. So finally make it about 45 minutes and just about to get to the, the bowl I wanted to hunt. As I made it to the edge, I started creeping through, trying to get up to the spot where I wanted to get up to, close to where one of the major runs is, where I saw the majority of the, the deer sign, as well as a lot of the buck rubs. There's one more little hill I had to crest. And as I'm walking up there, I'm just about to get the head up this little hill right up to my spot that was only about 10 yards on the other side. And as I walk up, I hear a single deer blow. Instantly I hit, hit, hit the brakes, stand there as quiet as I could. And sure enough, another blow and the deer, you can hear it take off. And at this point, I'm just kind of sitting there wondering kind of what happened. You know, I didn't think that the deer could hear me. You know, there was a bit of crunchy snow, but I was trying to walk on the sand and whatnot, uh, basically trying to be as quiet as I could. And next thing I know, I feel a little bit of a breeze blown, blown on, on my neck, realizing that there was a bit of a wind swirl and it blew my scent up towards where this deer was up the hill, up into this bowl. So I haven't realized that this deer just winded me. You know, I sat there for probably about another five, 10 minutes, just letting the area soak and trying to think about what my next step would be. You know, basically just trying to sit there, kind of feel for the wind again. Was it a one-off, a little bit of a swirl there, or did the prevailing wind still gonna carry my wind out over the lake? So at this point, I started getting the rest of my hunting gear on. I brought my ghillie suit along, uh, having success with the, wearing a ghillie suit and sitting on the ground before. So I throw my ghillie suit on with the rest of my gear. Once I'm dressed, make it over to the the other side of the knoll get my spot set up in a little bit of a brush and as it starts to get daylight i could still feel the wind feel like it was shifting quite a bit so at this point pull out some milkweed sure enough send the milkweed out it goes out in front of me about 10 yards starts drifting down the hill right in the direction i wanted to 10 15 seconds later i see the milkweed blowing back up the hill back in front of me again throw some more milkweed out same thing blows out goes up the hill goes down the hill basically at this point realizing that you know despite having a prevailing wind blowing my scent down the hill out away from where i thought the deer would be because of the lake shore that wind would be was blowing back up the, into the into that bowl and deciding ultimately that this was going to be a bad setup, that there wasn't going to be any deer that were going to enter in the this bowl uh, with the wind swirling around the way it was. You know, any deer that would enter that area would know I was there probably almost immediately. So at this point, decide I'm going to pack up, move up the hill a little bit, and maybe once I get at some little bit more elevation, get out of that that the V-shaped part of the bowl that I'm in that maybe I can be up on top of the hill and have my scent start blown up, you know, essentially up above the deer's head. And maybe it'll just blow my scent up, up and out of the bowl. So I make my way another 30, 40 yards up the hill to another patch of brush, uh, like shrubbery that I was going to sit in, kind of use as my cover or my ground blind. As I approach, I look on the other side of these little knee high bushes and they're right smack in the middle is a deer bed so clearly that was the deer that i had uh, probably bumped out of his bed and it spooked out of there so i had the right idea i had the right spot it's just the execution especially in knowing what the wind was going to do uh that's where i essentially failed so so ultimately i looked at that as you know 
I had the right idea. I was in the right spot. It was just being able to or have the experience being in that spot of knowing what the wind would do, even with a wind that was supposed to be blowing my scent away, you know, having that wind swirl. Now, when I was there the week prior, you know, I was in that same bowl and I did another milkweed check uh, at that time, but it was later in the day. So I think what happened was that being later in the day, a lot of the thermals were pulling up, you know, still being late morning and whatnot. The fact I was there before those thermals could work in my favor, it wasn't pulling any of my scent up out of the bowl. It was allowing it to swirl around in there. So it was another good spot for, you know, something in the future. Just have to be much more mindful about the execution of the area uh, in regards to the wind. So more than likely what's going to end up happening, instead of trying to come from the lakeside, have to come from the wood side and basically get up, get up above the bowl and allow that wind to come off the lake in my face. I, more than likely that's probably going to be the best course of action going forward so you know having been there for probably about 30 40 minutes and realizing that that spot was going to be a bust just because of the way the wind was swirling and the fact that i'd already bumped the deer out of that area ultimately the goal is now make my way back and do a little bit of still hunting maybe even do a little bit of spot stock if i can find a deer that doesn't realize i'm there so start making my way back down towards the trailhead there's a several there's a couple different valleys in on my way there that have patches of cedars in there so my goal is to go up on these ridge tops check for deer and use the ridge tops to either duck behind or use as cover and loop the background that way i'm not work walking through open timber first valley or first uh, ridge top there didn't see any deer uh in that first patch of cedars so i scouted out along the ridge top a little bit marking out some of the main trails that the deer use to crest over there over that ridge into the next valley so i'm gonna go back down along the lake shore over to make it to the next valley there same thing as i'm walking up along the ridge top i'm approaching another patch of cedars now this little this ridge it's not quite as high uh it's a little bit smaller bowl at least for this middle ridge that i'm climbing up on and basically it's kind of like a flat top where I'm not sure if it's just from other people walking along them or from deer or other animals, you know, basically is, you know, basically worn down the dirt, um, in the midst of some of these mature hardwoods and cedars. So as I start approaching this patch of cedars, I make it about 50, 60 yards from it. And then all of a sudden I see tails and sure enough, three does bump out of that patch of cedars. I try kind of run along with them. To get up along the ridge line so i can see where they're going if they're going to stop just on the other side of the knoll but by the time i get up there they're long gone over the crest of the other hill so again have the right idea pick the right spot just the execution to capitalize on those deer that are bedded in those cedars uh just messed it up make my way down the rest of the way checking some other spots where there's uh, more of a grassy brushy area no deer in there so i make it down to the main part of the trailhead um, once i get off the main bluffs at this point i start shedding a few layers take my ghillie pants off having gotten caught up in tons of brush and sticks and briars and everything like that decided to shed a bit of a layer down i was going to make my way back scouting through the hardwoods back to the vehicle and as i'm shedding layers and taking some of my gear off i look down along the beach just kind of overlooking everything and way off in the distance standing you know basically at the edge of the water i see an animal thinking like oh there must be someone not walking that's her dog looking a little bit closer and it's like that doesn't look like a dog pull up the binoculars is a deer standing on the beach um, you know basically you know at the edge of the water looking back towards the towards the bluff towards the hill and into the cover and at this point you know i didn't know the exact distance because you know my rangefinder, you know it goes out to 450 yards and i can't pick up any can't pick up the range so it's well beyond the range of my rangefinder to be able to determine how far this deer is you know at this point you know it looks it doesn't look like it's a big buck or anything like that so it's either a doe or a smaller buck but you know one of those times you know this is one of those things where you know, I've hunted in this area before along the lake shore and 
I've encountered plenty of times where there's, you know, deer tracks or have bumped deer, um, you know, basically off the, the lower part near the beach before. And actually we had uh, made plans to try to do kind of like a, I don't know, going with like a boat along the lakeshore to try to catch some of these deer that are going to be near the lake or deer near the beach or along the lakeshore, uh, come at them from a, an angle that they wouldn't expect. So this was kind of exciting to see having a deer on the beach, um, especially this late in the day, you know, something I wasn't really expecting to see. So at this point, you know, I, I basically at this point, I decided I want to try and make a play on this deer or at least get, try to get closer to see, you know, what's, what's going on with it. Maybe I can try to get a shot opportunity. Uh, you know, at this point it feels like a very, you know, so much of a long shot having this deer been so far away, you know, having, you know, basically now that I look back and I was able to pinpoint exactly where this deer was, you know, looking at the distance, it was somewhere around, you know, 630, 640 yards away from where I was at. So it was a good distance away. So I knew I had to cut some, cut some distance quite a bit. So I know there's a main trail that walks along, along the bluff here, overlooking the beach. So pack all my gear up, start heading down, heading towards the deer, walking up on top of the hilltop. And, you know, basically it comes in and out from right on the edge of the hill and then goes into the woods a little bit, cuts back out to the edge of the hill. So every time I had to follow the trail into the woods a little bit, just thinking the next time I pop out, that deer is going to be gone. There's no way it's going to be standing, you know, on the beach still. So every time I have an opportunity, I take a peek down the, down the beach. Sure enough, the deer is still standing there. Walk a little bit further, go into the woods, lose sight of it pop back out along the edge deer still stand there you know at this point i'm about 250 yards out and the deer is still standing there standing at the edge of the water looking back so a little bit of me at this point is thinking what is going on why is this deer out here in the open along the beach you know i'm assuming that something either spooked it it was another person that was out walking or something like that or someone's dog or you know coyote had pushed it towards the lake shore i don't know what's going on but there something doesn't seem right as to why this deer is still here. So I continue to push forward, push forward. And then I get to a point where I, I kind of have to make a decision where I can go up another bluff or up another hilltop, which I know is very, uh, very hard walking because I'd done it the week before when, you know, I almost had fallen off the hill a couple times just trying to follow, you know, the side hill, uh, you know, ledge uh, that, that a lot of the deer trails are, or I can go a little bit lower and side hill it a little bit lower on the flat part. So at this point I decided to go a little bit lower because I know that if I go the other way, I'm going to have to go up higher in elevation. I don't really want to do that. So I decided to take this lower path. But the only issue with that is it leads me into an open area where there's just some low grass where I get out of the, the cover of the timber. So at this point I take this trail and I'm wide open to where the deer can see me. And again, I'm now within 200 yards of the deer. So basically at this point, I've got my backpack on, I've got my bow in hand. I just crunch over and start walking down the trail, kind of pretending like I'm a deer just walking down the trail. And I keep trying to peek over and see what the deer's doing. And it's just watch me cross this opening, you know, probably about 200, maybe 150 yards above it. Finally get to the point where I'm directly above the deer. And I finally made it back into cover again. At this point, I'm trying to pinpoint or try to determine what path that I want to take. There's, I can go down basically the let the edge that I just came across, hug the cedars and try to get down to the beachfront that way, or I can keep going past, get into the timber more, and try to go out around the left side of the cover and try to approach the deer that way. Or the other thing I was thinking at this point, hug hug into this timber and wait for the deer to come up to me so i make it into that cover thinking that you know going the other way you know i'm going to be too exposed the deer's going to see me approach from far too away as i'm getting into the cover there i'm trying to get down to where i can see the deer again so i, I walk down the hill a little bit trying to stay as covered as possible you know keeping as many trees or as much brush between me and the deer and trying not to make too much noise to try trying not to spook it I get to the little opening spot where I can see the deer, but the problem is the deer can also see me. And it's still stand there in the same spot essentially, where it's facing, you know, facing uphill at me. And I start noticing that the deer is holding 
uh, its legs its legs weird. I can't tell if it's the front leg that's holding weird or the back at this point. Pull the binoculars up, and as you know, the deer is basically looking at me while I'm looking at it. Sure enough, it looks like that front leg. There's something wrong with it. It's holding it up funny. So at this point, it almost looks like it must have like a broken leg or hurt itself somehow where the deer doesn't want to move. So I slide down the hill a little bit further, get a little bit closer. Yep, sure enough, it's holding this leg up. I can see that it's all swollen. It must be broken. So at this point, I'm sitting there probably about five, ten minutes just looking at the deer. The deer's looking back at me. And I'm trying to decide what the best course of action is. Do I just wait it out here up on the hillside and wait for the deer to have to try to come back up to the hill to me? Or do I try to push, push forward and try to cut the distance to get the deer within range? Looking at the terrain and the amount of cover I have, you know, ultimately knowing that if I decide to push it, that deer could essentially at any point spook or take off or you know, take off in a direction that I can't you know cut 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 it off anymore you know ultimately i knew that i was in a good position up on the hill knowing that the deer had to either pick left or right and in either way it wanted to go it could either walk down the beach or it'd have to come up the hill towards me but the fact that this deer still hasn't moved uh, from his original position you know i'm starting to think that maybe this deer is injured enough where it doesn't want to go anywhere so again i get down to a point where I can either go left or right along the cover and try to use some of the hillside as cover so the deer doesn't know that I'm approaching. Ultimately, I decide because the deer is slightly quartering, uh, basically it's facing me, but angled to my right a little bit. So I'm thinking, all right, if the, nothing else, if I can get close enough within range, if I go to the left, that allows a bit more of a broadside angle, a better shot potential if this deer doesn't go anywhere and I get a shot opportunity that way. I end up going to the left. Unfortunately, as I approach, I realize that there must have been some type of uh, landslide or mudslide or something like that. There's a big washed out area where the sand had washed away and it's about an eight foot drop down into this little bowl where the sand is blown out out of the hillside <clears throat> and it's too, you know at this point i'm all geared up with my backpack everything like that i don't feel like trying to jump out into the sand sand you know wash out you know i'm just worried about injuring myself as well so i walk down along the edge of it finally i find a place where there was a tree that had leaned into the into that washout area and it was only about four foot drop from there so climb out onto this tree Send my bow up on it, lower myself down, finally touch ground with my feet, grab my bow, and use the hillside as cover. You know, at this point, though, too, the sand is so loose that I'm basically creating little avalanches of sand going down, getting close to this deer. And I'm just worrying that all this chaos with the sand moving and commotion is going to spook the deer and it's going to go the other way. Because, again, at this point, I can't see the deer anymore, um, basically because of the hillside finally get to a point where I can get back get back towards the center and sure enough the deer is still standing there at this point I'm about 50 yards out and the deer hasn't moved yet again you know it's, it's obviously seen me a few times it can't win me because of the wind is coming off the lake again same thing I sit down and just kind of observe watch the deer see how it's reacting and trying to decide what my best course of action is at this point again it's only about 50 yards straight line between me and the deer it can go left it can go right and i still have potential to cut it off and give myself a shot opportunity but again i'm looking at the deer thinking so at this point again i'm thinking that i'm going to continue to try to push forward you know basically give myself you know that much more opportunity to be able to get closer to the deer give myself a better shot opportunity regardless of what the deer does but of course at this point i'm thinking every time i try to move up that's that's more of a chance for that deer to spook and i could blow it you know and not have a shot at all so again looking at the deer i could go left or i could go right you know if i go to the right it's going to create it's a little bit easier pathway where i have a little more cover to get down to the deer potentially keeping more of the more of the brush and the trees in between me and the deer to get to that point but again if i go that way then i have to wait for the deer to turn to give me a better broadside shot if i go to the left if the deer doesn't go anywhere i still have a little bit better angle 
and a little bit closer to a broadside shot from that angle as well. I make my way down to the right or down to the left again and finally get past to where I only have one cedar tree between me and the deer. At this point, I get to a bit of an opening where I basically have nothing between me and the deer anymore and it's at 40 yards. So I kneel down. I've already got my arrow knocked from when I was at the 50 yard mark, just thinking that at any point the deer is going to bolt. So I'm at 40 yards and I'm kneeling down and basically it's, I've got cedar to my left, cedar to my right, and some branches overhead. And the deer is still standing there. At this point, you know, again at 40 yards, I'm kind of hoping at this point that the deer might, you know, take a step one way or the other, turn broadside, give me a good shot. And it's still standing there facing directly at me. So sitting there thinking about, you know, what, what my next move is. Do I just wait for this deer to move? Do I, you know, what do I do? You know, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable taking a front, front on shot at 40 yards, especially. So at this point, I'm sitting there on my knees. I take off my backpack to try to give myself a little bit lower profile. And at this point, I just decide, you know, I've seen the deer move a couple of times where it just, it, it, it tenses up as if it wants to move or take a step, but then it doesn't go anywhere. So I'm looking at it as that as though if, you know, this deer wants to, wants to get off the beach, but she must be hurt enough to where she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to move. So at this point, I decide that I'm going to just crawl up on my knees a couple, you know, a little bit and just continue to move up so I can get her to be anxious enough to where she's going to turn broadside or turn to get away from, away from me. At that point, she'll provide a broadside shot and then a better opportunity to make a good shot on her and basically put down this deer that clearly has a broken leg. So I crawl out do go a couple yards, double check my range, adjust my pin on my, on my sight. So now I'm at 38. Deer doesn't move. She's doing a bit of a head bomb. Like she wants to, I'm not sure if she's still trying to figure out what I am or is just anxious enough knowing that she, that, that she knows that she wants to get out of there. So again, at this point, double check 38. All right. Crawl up a couple more crawl up a little bit more, double check my range. All right, 35 yards. She's still standing there. She's definitely tense that she, you know, doesn't want to stick around much longer. So I'm thinking that every second goes by, she's going to make a move left or right. And I'm going to have to real quick, you know, get drawn on her. If I have to try to get her to stop. So she holds still, she's trying to take off. So I'm basically on edge during this entire process, thinking that at any second she's going to turn and I'm going to have to be quick, get on target and execute a shot. Crawl up a little bit further, you know, from 32 yards, rearrange again, reset my pin. It's like, all right, at any second she's going to turn. I need to have my pin dialed in exactly where I want it as closest to my actual range. That way I can be as accurate as possible. She still hasn't moved. She's still facing directly at me. At this point, again, I'm, at, I'm just crawling on my knees, holding my bow in front of my face and pulling my rangefinder every time I scoot up a little bit, every couple of yards. Finally get up to a point, and now it's the last little clump of grass that's in between me and the deer. Ranger again, 30 yards. She's still standing there facing directly at me. So at this point, thinking, all right, well, this is probably about the closest I'm going to get. So dialing my pin at 30 yards and think, all right, at 30 yards, front on shot, definitely not ideal. But she's close enough now where I feel confident that I can at least get on target. It may not be a perfect shot, but if nothing else, it's going to get her to move and I can get a follow-up shot. Draw back on her still stand there straight at me settle my pin and let the arrow fly at this point i've got again a lighted knock and all i see is that lighted knock go right into not quite center of her chest but just to the left and all of a sudden my knock disappears she turns 
to my right and I see the last probably foot of my arrow sticking out the back side of her with the broadhead sticking through. At this point, I know that the arrow has made it all the way through her and that it won't be long for her, uh, basically knowing that you know, from the angle of the shot to where seeing the arrow sticking out the back side of her, that it was a lethal shot and she's not going to, she's going to, she's going to expire soon. She takes off running parallel with the beach and she makes about 40 yards. Next thing I know, she dives into the lake <clears throat> and she's in about knee deep water. And then next thing I know, I see just a pool of blood fill up around her. It almost looked like a scene from like a Jaws movie where it was just her, you know, splashing through the water and nothing but red around her. And within a couple of seconds of that, she falls over into the water and I know that she's expired at this point. So at this point, I'm laughing hysterically to myself, just wondering what the heck just happened. How did this all work out? You know, the typical, you know, there's no way this is going to work. And it ultimately does, and you're just shocked because of it. <clears throat> so I'm walking down the beach to get up close to where she was, and <laughs> as a bee, she's washing up into the, onto the beach as I approach. I walk in about ankle deep water, grab her, pull her out of the water up onto the beach there, and sure enough, the shot couldn't have worked out any better. Right through, right through the chest, exit out the backside ham on the far side deer expired in 10 10 or so seconds as i pull her up i realize that on her front left leg her ankle is you know basically completely busted uh, she's got an open wound probably about two two and a half inches diameter it's completely swelled up and there's bones sticking out of the wound so at this point i realized that yeah this this doe was hurting and I made the right choice of putting her out, you know, doing what I thought I needed to do to put the deer out of her misery. You know, she was stuck on the beach. I don't think she could make it back up the hill. Ultimately, I think what happened is that she was walking on probably one of those side hills, stumbled down the hill, and ended up breaking her leg. So at this point, you know, got the deer out of the water, and I'm, the shock of the whole situation finally passed, and realizing that I've got this deer down on the beach now I have to figure out how, what I'm going to do to take care of it. Fortunately, I, you know, had somewhat anticipated that if I got a deer, it'd be a tough, you know, chore to get it out. Uh, so I did grab some game bags and grabbed all my pack and everything like that that had, you know, stuff to be able to process it, quarter it out. Uh, at this point, you know, trying to figure out what I'm going to do down on the beach here. So I dragged the deer up off the beach a little bit onto the up into the woods a little bit where I'm not quite right in sight of every everyone and everything uh cutting up a deer and getting everything all messy on the beach as I cut a piece off the deer the wind's blowing getting sand everywhere so I every time I cut a piece off I walk down to the beach go into the water rinse the meat off throw it in the bag and I do that for both the front shoulders the hind end and the back straps at this point too I take the head with me, make sure I got my tag on it. That way, while I'm packing everything out, that it's not, you know, basically I'm not trying to be as legal as I can, ensuring that, you know, they know that this is the deer I harvested and I've got my tag on it and everything like that. So at this point, I'm at the base of this hill and I honestly don't know how, how big of a climb it is. It's at least, you know, several hundred feet up this, uh, you know, sandy bluff to get back up on up onto the trail to get back to the vehicle or i can walk several miles down the beach it down to the local beach there and have uh, my mom pick me up i uh, haven't heard only live about 10 minutes away ultimately i decide you know what i got myself in this mess i climbed down the hill knowing the potential of what was going to happen i got to pack this deer up and get it back up the hill on my own so Go to go to grab my backpack and realize it is extremely heavy, much heavier than I had anticipated. You know, I knew that individually the pieces of meat weren't all that heavy. I was not anticipating the my pack to be as heavy as it was. At this point, you know, knowing that it's going to be quite a chore to get up this hill, but again, I made a decision. 
I'm going to get myself out of this situation. So I start making my way up the hill and it's, it becomes a chore. You know, the hill is steep enough and sandy enough where I have a hard time getting a good, uh, you know, getting a good step. Basically I take a step and my foot slides down in the sand only a couple inches above where my foot was initially. So I work my way side hill away from the sand, try to get up where there's some grass and some trees to, you know, basically get myself a, a, a firm footing to climb up the hill. I get, I get over there finally, probably about 20, 30 minutes to get off the actual sand onto some, some sure ground to be able to climb. I make my way about halfway up. And at this point, you know, I'm, I'm sucking wind. I'm stressed out because I'm worried about, you know, this back, this pack, you know, pulling me backwards, throwing me back down the hill and potentially hurt myself or just, you know, losing all the ground. That I just, you know, that I, all the gain, all the ground that I gained. So halfway up the hill, I have to sit down, catch my breath and, you know, kind of reevaluate my decision on trying to climb this hill. But ultimately caught my breath again, start making my way back up the hill and you know, I get to or, and you know, I get to or finally I'm, I'm sure ground. So I start making some good progress and get to the last little bit where I had to figure out the best course of action to get over this ledge. You know, ultimately I found a, a log that had, you know, was in the ground, but leading up to the last little bit. So I climb up on this log, use it as a basically some sure footing and to be able to hang on to, to pull myself up the hill. There's a little two foot little ledge I have to climb up on, climb up on the edge, roll over on my back, lean up against my backpack, and I finally made it up the hill. Well, at this point, having pushed myself to where I get up the hill, instantly I feel that feeling where you've overexerted yourself and I'm about to puke. Quickly try to undo my buckles on my backpack and I roll on my backpack and sure enough, I purge and throw up at all the water I drank before down by the beach, trying to gear up for this, for this climb. You know, ultimately it was too much for my nervous system and it had enough of that climb for sure. So finally getting all done with that, catch my breath again, gear back up. Now at least it's easy sailing where it's basically flat ground down to the vehicle and more or less all downhill from here. You know, at this point, I'm thinking, I don't know how, you know, backcountry hunters do it, big, you know, big elk hunters do it, packing out their animals. You know, at this point, you know, I'm thinking initially when I started the whole process of packing out this deer that I quartered up and threw in my backpack, that this was going to be a fun experience. You know what? Anyone who packs out an animal that way, you can have it. You know, it was a fun experience to say I did it. But it is not that enjoyable. So for you guys that go out there and, you know, especially for an elk and take it miles out of the mountains, I want no part of that. <laughs> at least not at least not in the physical condition I am right now. You know, that is something that having done that short little distance that I did, climbing the one hill I did, that's something that I'm not eager to repeat in the near future. I made it back to the vehicle and, you know, still just kind of tickled about the whole experience and, and just how many things had to go right to make it all fall into place. And out of curiosity, I grab our scale, stand on the scale with my backpack, throw my backpack off, climb back on the scale and you know, I'm shocked to realize that, that my backpack with all my gear that I had packed on it and the deer meat, it came to 61 pounds that I carried out. And ultimately, I carried only about a little over a mile and a half. Now, I did have to climb a massive hill that I wouldn't recommend anyone else to do this or I would never wish it upon anyone to try to have to climb this hill with that big of a pack on as well. But, you know, ultimately it was a fun experience that, well, it's fun now, but, but it was definitely one of the most unique hunts that I've ever been on, um, with one of the most unique outcomes and, you know, 
so happy the fact that the the shot ended up being as good as it was ultimately when i was processing the deer you know i did cut open the chest cavity to see you know exactly what the arrow hit going through and lo and behold it went through one lung and pierced right through the center of the heart so i felt very good the fact that i was able to put such a good shot on on a shot that i've never taken before a shot that i had very little confidence of working out as well as it did you know ultimately I'm very thankful of the fact that I would practice as much as I have with my bow equipment. You know, even the night before I was, you know, ensuring that my broadheads were ready to go and that I was, you know, shooting accurately. You know, basically I was even in the dark just shooting, you know, with our backyard light, trying to ensure that everything was good to go and still dialed in properly. I am thankful the fact that I did take that additional time to make sure I was confident and competent with the bow equipment uh, even after putting it down um, during rifle season and muzzleloader season. And ultimately realizing too that, you know, the, probably the biggest reason why I was able to get as close to the deer as I did and be allowed to get within range as I did is because that deer was injured. You know, there's probably a lot of times where that deer probably wouldn't have been on the beach to begin with or would not have stuck around as long as it did. So it's just a testament of one of those things where you gotta, if you're stalking up on a deer or trying to approach a deer, you're always thinking about every every movement that you make, about how it could, you know, basically blow up in your face and the deer take off and you lose that opportunity. You know, that was crossing my mind the entire process from start to finish. Um, you know, knowing that more often than not, it's gonna fail more than you succeed doing this aggressive you know trying to approach deer like this so the biggest thing i'm going to say with this is you know taking you know see, seeing an opportunity and you know taking steps to make it happen you know at any point of this time i could have looked at this deer down at the beach and realized it was too you know thinking it was too far not worth it but ultimately you know the decisions that you make during the course of that hunt you know you always got to you know, it was one of those things that it, the biggest thing I always was thinking about is, you know, don't be afraid to fail. You know, the the likelihood of this whole thing blowing up at any second was very high, and I knew that. But I was going to take a chance anyways. You know, that's been, I think, my biggest thing coming out of this season is realizing that I'm definitely much more comfortable doing more active hunting than passive hunting, you know. I would consider passive hunting, you know, setting up in your spot, you know, knowing that, you know, even if you're not seeing deer at the time, knowing that you're in a good spot and that you're just going to wait it out and wait for the deer to come. Or if you're sitting like on a private piece or over a good food source or food plot or something like that, just waiting the deer out, just knowing that they're going to come to you. You know, a lot of times I don't have the patience for that style of hunting, even though I like doing it from time to time, I'm definitely much more active hunter in the regards that I, I'm, I'm impatient. So it might be just impatient hunting, but I consider it active hunting where I'm going to get down on my stand. If I'm not seeing the deer, if I'm not getting the movement that I want to, if I feel like, like earlier in that day where I feel like I've blown out the area that I was planning on hunting, I go try to make it happen somewhere else. You know, again, and just like earlier in that morning where I, you know, as I was approaching those other group of deer in those cedars, you know, they busted me before I even had an opportunity. But it's just one of those things I've always take looking at that next potential opportunity and try to capitalize on that. So the entire hunt is nothing more than just that. You know, you know, seeing an opportunity and trying to make the best decision that I could at the time with the information I had available. And I think that's one of the best lessons I've learned throughout the course of the entire season. And I think it's a good approach that we can take it all as hunters. You know, that was just a once in a lifetime hunt, I think. I don't think I'll ever have another opportunity like that of, you know, going out and harvesting the deer right on the lake shore. You know, quite literally had to pull the deer out of the lake. So an extremely unique situation with a lot of, you know, lessons that I learned from that entire experience. So at this point... You know, now I'm kind of feel like I'm rambling a little bit. So let's go ahead and wrap up for this story. You know, again, super blessed to have had the opportunity uh, at going after this deer. You know, a lot of things went right where anything at any moment could have went wrong. 
you know, basically I'm glad that the preparation and the decisions I made did work out. You know, one of the most unique hunts I've ever been on and probably will ever be on. So, so with that, I mean, you know, basically at this point, I've more or less decided it was time to uh, call it quits. I've got a full freezer now. Uh, I did end up trying to take my sister out for the late analyst season. Uh, basically, we kind of kind of went at the idea of she was going to take a rifle and harvest a doe if one approached or came into the food plot um, as we were hunting on our pri- private piece. I also brought my bow along in the event that a big old buck decided to show up as well. Ultimately, we didn't see anything for the night. We did see some fresh tracks as we walked out, so the deer were moving. They just didn't decide, or they just decided to not uh, come out to the food plot while we were out there sitting. So, so ultimately, I decided to pack it up for the season. You know, it's been tough a few different times, especially with some of this fresh snow that we've gotten and these cooler, t- these cold temperatures. You know, it's been a couple of times where I've considered, you know, grabbing the bow and going back out and. Uh, you know, basically trying to cut a track and try to track a deer down with my bow. But ultimately, uh, decided that, you know, now's a good time to call it quits. Today, we actually, uh, my wife and I went out. We went snowshoeing. I grabbed the old 22 uh, to maybe see if we can find some squirrels or rabbits or something like that. But ultimately, we had just had a nice walk out in the woods. Did a little bit of snowshoeing. Got out in the wilderness a little bit. And looking forward to you know basically looking forward to doing some ice fishing this year uh both my kids are i think eager to go out and do some more fishing again uh you know now that it's been uh we've had to pack up the boat for the season they're looking to you know do a little bit more fishing and get out on the hard water uh this year we're gonna look into investing into an underwater camera so they can have fun with that we can play around with that a little bit and hopefully be able to do a few fish fries um with some of our catch coming up here real quick so so that's it for this episode you know coming up the season again like i said it's only about a week left and we've got you know basically at this point i'm already looking at things to do for uh management wise for the property um you know basically looking to do some uh clear cutting to make some bedding areas already looking at what i'm gonna do for next year for food plot wise and basically are looking at some additional areas scouting wise to catch up with some of these um, public land bucks that I missed out on or couldn't quite nail down this season to gear up ready for next season. So even though the season's not quite over with, I'm already looking to the 2023 season. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, just keep building on what this year did and moving on for the next. So, so with that, that's a wrap again as always get out there be safe and have fun